Welcome back, everybody, to CC Airwaves. I am Joel Hansel, and joining me is Paige Matillo. How you doing, Paige? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you, Joel? I'm doing fine today. Uh, today, for our listeners, we have another installment in our new segment. Inspiring Stories of Healing and Hope. And in today's episode, we have Beth Thorpe from um, a foundation called... The Mitchell uh, the, Thorpe the Foundation. The Mitchell Thorpe Foundation. And uh, you and Andre recently sat down and talked to her. So, uh, Paige, could you tell us a little bit more about Beth and her work? Of course. So, Beth Thorpe is a philanthropist, author, speaker, and co-founder and executive director of the Mitchell Thorpe Foundation, as we just talked about. She created this foundation in memory of her son, Mitchell, who passed away in 2008 from a mysterious illness. Her work in philanthropy and leadership has actually been recognized and awarded nationwide, and most recently, she won the 2022 Community Impact Award. You're listening to CC Airwaves. And welcome back to CC Airwaves. My name is Paige Matillo, and we will be continuing our new series, Inspiring Stories of Healing and Hope. Today we have Andre Law, Director of the Catholic Cemeteries Association, and Beth Thorpe, co-founder of the Mitchell Thorpe Foundation. How are you guys doing today? Super. Thanks for having me on, Paige. No problem. So this is actually really exciting because Beth is calling in from California, and I think that you might be our first guest from outside of Ohio. So really, wow! Yeah. He brought in a Southern California girl. I know. <laughs> Before we were talking a little bit about the weather in Ohio. What's the weather like in California right now? Is it sunny and beautiful? Or yeah, you don't want to hear. It's always that way. You know, I'm in San Diego. <laughs> so what is it? It's like in the Maybe low 70s today, 71, which is nice mm -hmm. and sunny and beautiful. I moved, however, for your audience, I lived in Illinois. So mm -hmm. I grew up in Illinois and was a Midwesterner for many years before I moved away uh, when I met my husband. So that's great. Well, we Do you had prefer snow this morning? So did we? If, in case you're missing the snow, you can always make your way back to Cleveland or uh, were you outside of Chicago somewhere? I was in a small town called Crystal Lake, which was northwest of Chicago. Okay. So I grew up there. It was a beautiful place to grow up and uh, went to school and worked downtown in Chicago. And so I understand those brutal winters and uh, as a young child standing and freezing at the bus stop going to school. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember well, all that. Beth, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time to be with us and 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 tell us your story. We're um, uh, we really we we believe that our families that are out there um, that we serve and and beyond us, they need to hear these inspirational stories that uh, that we come across, and obviously yours being one of them. And I think that. Um, I think when they hear those stories and they they read about you know the the pro, you know how you survived um, the tragic death of your son, 
and also the you know the the difficulties of dealing with your husband uh, and and throat cancer. Um, I think that that uh, it 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 it's inspirational, and they really need to hear those things. Uh, what kind of if you don't mind, what kind of cancer did your husband have? Uh, he ended up with throat cancer, and that was after came on I, after. Was it a specific type of throat cancer? Because I you know unfortunately I, I my my wife went through something very similar. Yeah, you know, I forget the name they called it, but um, there was, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but uh, I know it came on two years after Mitchell's passing. So I know, you know, a lot of the stressors that people go through in life have a tendency to, to um, bring on disease. And so yeah. it's very important to um, release uh, grief, release emotions. And so those aren't bottled up inside your system. And for a male and for him, it was probably very hard for him to express his emotions at the time and was bottling it all up. And so we, we can talk about that, too, how we had to go through this whole healing process in order to oh, get sure. through the the other side of all this for us to do what God had appointed us to do. And um, now where did, yeah. he, where did he grow up? He actually grew up in Oak Park, too. He was in Oak Park, Illinois. He was born there and uh, grew up in Illinois as well before he moved away with his family. And um, and my husband was um, drafted his junior year out of college with the Los Angeles Dodgers organization. So he was a very, you know, ath- baseball was his thing and his love. And that's when I met him. I knew nothing about baseball at the time, but I grew to love <laughs> the game. Don't hold it against us, people. You know, he was a Dodger fan. I'm a Padre fan. I'm always be a Cub fan. You know, my poor Cubs. <laughs> you know, but, you know, but I learned to grow and learn the love of the game that he loved so much. And he carried it on to the boys that we raised, um, our two boys, and and into the community here and um, taking his skills and and coaching many young boys and athletes in, in, the, in baseball. Tell us a little about Bob Mitchell. And, and, you know, what, what he was like as a, as a little boy and growing up and I'm sure as a, a mom, he made you crazy and you loved him. And, you know, <laughs> I watched, I'm my, sure he my loved baseball. With, uh, I watched my wife deal with her boy, with our boys. And I trust me, I have a pretty good idea of, 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 as a mom, but then just the struggles. And, and when he, when he was sick and, um, you know, yeah. we were in LA this past summer, my, for surgery for my once, my middle son. So we, um, so I, I struggling with issues for your kid. Yeah. Yeah. It, they, they tear at your heart, boy. They really do. Don't they? Oh yeah. It, well, because we love them. So they're a part of us. Oh, so yeah, it's yeah. just a part of you. And, uh, so Mitchell was, um, when I write about it in the book, a new creation, he's a, he was just a beautiful, you know, he's my firstborn and he was just such a joyful child. Um, Almost, you know, exceptional. He was a 4.0 student in school. He was very, very um, athletic. Uh, I, teachers would say to, especially after he passed, he Mitchell would light up the room and he'd walk in. So he would be one of those. His character was always looking out for the underdog, even as talented and gifted as he was. Even through his sports, he always, you know, brought the ones that weren't doing so well up and lifted them up. And um, my neighbor down the street always said to me, I never had to worry about my son who had Asperger's syndrome. He had a form of autism on the street when they all they go out and play because Mitchell was there. So Mitchell was one of those. That was his character. Um, just joyful. 
loved to make people laugh. He had a sense of humor, and I love that about him. And uh, for me, he was just pure joy, and uh, always just pure joy. And uh, I, I think of him that way always, and it pained me so when he was in such pain um, and during his five-year journey of being in and out of hospitals, different doctors all over the United States poked and prodded at this test and that test and and undiagnosed, go figure that, undiagnosed symptoms came on at the age of 13. We hardly ever went to the doctor, okay? So occasional earache, you know, typical things that you go through your pediatrician for. Yeah, but he... Symptoms came on at age 13, and he passed at 18, so five years, taking him all across the United States looking for an answer to help someone help us figure out the cause, the root cause of his situation. And ultimately, doctors were scratching their head, didn't really know what was going on. Even besides every test known to man, it was taken, every blood work and whatnot, came back negative normal, but he was not normal. So here you are, you're you're in these conference rooms with these doctors and you're like, he is in suffering from pain. He's in this hospital when I was in LA with him, hooked up, he was in myoclonic seizures due to pain. So you're like, what's driving the pain? What's causing this? You know, it's a, I understand what it means now to practice medicine because it's, <laughs> uh, when it's not a cut and dry, acute case, Things can get really challenging, and that took us on a very, uh, how would you say, maybe uh, unexpected road we traveled. It was a journey, and during that time, we called it the Mitchell Thorpe journey. We were on this journey every day trying to figure out what was driving his pain, trying to help him out of pain. Yeah, it was not a fun season of life. <laughs> so as you experienced this journey with him and the two of you were there with him. Um, I have to believe that he, in, in through it all, um, there were two things in, hi in him. One was concern for you because he didn't want to see his parents suffer because the way you've described him, I, I, I believe, I believe that he must have had that feeling. And I'm sure, you know, you know that. And oh then, yeah. And, and then on the other, and the, uh, the other is the, you know, life being the journey that it is, and to have that opportunity, you know, the illness was there, his time was what it was. And for the two of you, as, as much as the anguish and the hurt and the, and the pain of that time, you had, you were given that time to walk with him, to be there for him, to show him that unconditional and complete love of a parent for a child. Very much when you think of Mary and her son and what she had to experience walking with him. As he oh, I know. Those I often felt, you're right. I often felt like Mother Mary. There was times I had to go in my car and I, I never heard myself wail like that kind of pain and grief of wailing. I didn't want to do it in front of my son. You have to do that away from him and you had to come back and be strong and courageous for him and and actually, Joshua 1.9 was our mantra. Um, God said, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be discouraged or afraid for the Lord that got him with you wherever you go. So that was kind of our mantra. We have it on 
everything now. Um, I noticed. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's it, it was it was so profound in our walk during that time to be, and to this day we called him our warrior son, and we hold every year we're going on our fourteenth annual. It's the Warrior Spirit 5K Run Walk and Family Festival. We hold that every year for all of our families and children that we've been helping over the years. Here we are 14 years later, giving back $3 million and counting to families and children fighting for their tomorrows. Beth, you know, you're kind of a warrior yourself because as I was reading your book, you know, I found the part where the doctors actually wrote Beware of Mom in Mitchell's medical <laughs> records because you were just such a fierce advocate for him. So in a way, while your son Mitchell is a warrior, was a warrior, you are also a warrior yourself. Yes, you know, he had to probably learn that from me, um, but mm-hmm. he couldn't speak or talk at the time. And and for many parents, and like myself, we are advocating what happens. You are have to advocate for your child. And it's interesting in the hospitals, you might have a, the care of a doctor one week and then the next week, he's gone and you have a whole new doctor and team coming in and you have to like, and who are you? <laughs> and what are you, again, what are you prescribing? So you're like, you're always checking. I always, uh, the records, what are you giving? No, that last doctor took him off that medication. He shouldn't, you know, it's all that constant, constant, constant. And it, it was a rude awakening just to be aware of how that system works in the hospital of advocating and being there for your child. And um, yeah. And you they really said, they said be, beware of the mom. And, you know, I had to be careful with that, too, because, you know, you write about it in the cha- in one of my chapters when we were in yeah. the hospital for a month. And mm-hmm. they can legally take your child away. And that was – and then I had to legally, and my husband and I, on top of the stressors, find an attorney to get him released from the hospital because they couldn't figure out anything else to do for him. And so that that was a whole nother process of stressors. You're like, <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, one more thing. Well, that journey, you know, and, and when we look at life and we look at the journey that we all find ourselves on and that journey that includes, in, you know, in, in your case, and, and, you know, I look at the rest of us as parents, um, you know, we do, there, there's always those, you know, you have those worries, you have those struggles and you have those concerns. And then, Obviously, the, the the greatest fear of any parent, especially if you are um, if you do what we do, uh, is the fear of what if something happens, and how do you how do you how to deal with that, and how do you how do you suffer through that? What what for you was that thing that that gave you the strength at the end when 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 you knew that that you know. Mitchell wasn't going to be here much longer. Yeah, that was really, really. Mm -hmm. I think we can all agree. We don't end. We don't. Right. So, but his physical presence here, when you were, when you were reaching that point and then even obviously the the funeral and the service and everything, and that's the, the craziness of all that time. And then, then surviving the after. If you would tell our listeners, you know, just explain to our listeners how you processed all of that, because I, I know that they, I think those that hear your voice and, and hear, you know, what you experienced, they want to know if, if there are things that they could do that will help them uh, through what you went through. Yeah, that was challenging um, for me. Uh, 
especially when he came out of the hospital then and they basically told us, take him home and make him comfortable. And we were fighting for so long. My husband and I were like two pit bulls trying to keep him here on this planet. And we often prayed and had people and pastors praying over him and us. And we were believing for his healing here on this side of heaven. But God obviously had a different plan. And um, when he took him home, there was a time when I came back from that last hospital stay where I really was brought to my knees and had to totally surrender him. I was hanging on to him so tight. And I said, God, I was on my knees. He's yours. I try to fix this. We're trying to make him better. I can't carry it any longer. I had to surrender him to the Lord. Your will be done, not mine. And that was a tough one. We do that all the time with all our families now that we help. Because quite frankly, you know, my will wasn't necessarily God's will. Because ultimately, he had to take him home to heal him because no one on this side of the planet could figure out what was wrong with him. And he suffered long enough. And I would not have been what I have thought of myself. If I was in his shoes, I would want to go too. I could not have been in that position. And for him to last five years with this of, of and the pain basically started to deteriorate into his body and his organs began to shut down. So I had to release him to the Lord and his will be done with it. And um, that was one of the toughest days of my life um, to do that. And I still get a little choked up thinking about it. But um, God ultimately took him home to heal him and made him a new creation. And uh, and when Mitchell passed, I mean, that was really challenging. Uh, Stages of grief are a whole other subject to talk about, too, because grief is real and it's very hard. And usually losing a child is very hard grief. And um, the stages of grief are usually denial. This can't be happening. It felt like that for me. Wake me up from this bad dream. This can't be happening. And then you can move into anger and questioning why. And that's normal stages of grief. And then you can move into a stage of bargaining. Oh, you know, Lord, why? And I'll do this. I don't know what's happening here. It can move into depression for some, and some, if you stay there, that's not a good thing to happen because then it can get into complicated grief, and that's what happened to me. I got into a complicated grief, and I had to seek help, and my husband and I both needed to seek help. And then my other son, Matthew, then I needed, he needed help. And then you move into the process of grief of acceptance, and then you, so for those that are listening understanding, especially during the holidays, as we move into the holidays, it's a tough time for many because it's anniversaries of holidays um, or an anniversary of when they passed. All these things start to bring up a lot of emotions. So be patient with yourself and with others um, going through it. And um, just learning how to cope with loss was a challenging thing. But for me, when you asked to answer that question, I had to totally surrender him and uh, to the Lord. And I knew that there was nothing I could do. I mean, I as much as we did on the planet to keep him here, and it was it was a long journey with that. 
that um, I think that that way of looking at it, surrendering him, you know, because you didn't you, you didn't give up. You didn't. Right. I mean, it's not. So when you it's surrendering him to the Lord, it, it's um, it, it's almost a, a release and a relief for all of you that you're accepting. You, you brought in that acceptance of what is to be and God's direct involvement in our lives, the promise that Christ made on that cross that day. And so it's, it's, it's giving all of your pain, all of your, all of your anguish, all of that suffering and saying, you know what, I trust that you are there and you will be there for my son. Yes. And, you know, and you pray that, and, and to, to release him of that suffering that had to be a very, very difficult thing for you to finally accept that yes. I'm releasing him. Releasing him. And yeah. even when I was curled up in a ball in my deepest pain of grief and the Lord just knew I didn't want to be on the planet anymore because a part of you feels like you died with the child, right? You know, part sure. of you is gone. And he spoke his rhema word deep within my spirit. As I was curled up, and he said, "This is not the end; this is the beginning." And when I heard that deep within my spirit, I sat up in my bed and I looked to the heavenlies. And I said, "What does that mean?" Yes, it feels like the end. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. And literally that week, same week, my husband was at the local church here, and two boys he was coaching. Both one had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, the other one had lymphoma. Both families trying to make ends meet. And and people wanted to help and donate and do whatever they could. And he just got that strong knowing in his spirit that God says, you you need to form a foundation to help many going through what you went through. So he came home to tell me that that week. And he said, God spoke to me. And he says, we need to start a foundation, uh, Beth, to help many going through what we went through. And I looked at him. I said, you, we, you want to do what? We what? We don't know anything about start. We don't know anything about starting a foundation. What? What? And then I had to sit back and go, and I looked up. Right, is that what you mean, Lord? This is not the end. This is the beginning, and that was the start of our journey. And that following week, and then when we came out of our healing. Um, you know, we had to seek spiritual counseling to help my husband and I through our marriage. Because all that we went through, but part of that healing when we went through it, and part of that healing was the big part of being was forgiveness. And our counselor had to take us through a session of breaking things off, forgiving the doctors that couldn't find answers, forgiving family members that said things that they shouldn't have said. All those things that come on and bombard you with, we had to release it and get it out of our system and break it off our spirits. So we could move forward into restoration because if you, some people stay stuck and they become anger and they become bitter, they won't release that forgiveness. And part of that grief, some people think, and that happened to me, I thought hanging on to that grief kept Mitchell with me. Right. And that's not where God wants you to be. And uh, so it's a process. And I, we had to move through that whole session and series. And when the Holy Spirit brings you to that place, he, you can't not release it. And my husband was a bawling mess on the floor. And so was I. You just all that pent up emotion that we carried for five years of trying to keep him here. We had to 
uh, move through that healing. So I do tell people when I speak about grief, you know, it is a process. And if you get into a situation like for me, it was complicated grief. And that means it's gone on too long and you need to seek help. And I knew I needed help. And my husband and I both needed help. And then we had to seek that counseling to move us through to do what God had us to do for that moment of his inspiration and literally felt his loving arms around us, walking us gently step by step through this process of how to do this. And it started with helping one child at a time. And now here we've helped thousands of children later and families and with and we told Mitchell he would not die in vain and that we would carry his name forward um and um he spoke to us beyond the veil of heaven through his walking stick I write about that in the book speaking beyond the veil of heaven or communicating to us and he did because he knew how much and you know that is God's grace that allowed us to see those spiritual signs and wonders of knowing that there is a beautiful place on the other side. And he was trying to tell us. And he spoke to me and allowed me to hear Mitchell's voice. And a mama can hear their child's voice and, and recognize it. If you were in a room and heard your kid speak, you'd say, well, that's my kid. That's my kid. You know their voice, right? And yeah. I was in a healing session, and that was the week of his passing. And still just in denial at that point, I was in shock. That's usually the first stage of shock. And he, God allowed me to hear Mitchell and he whispered in my ear. He said, mom, he goes in his little voice, mom, let it go. Just like that. And I knew it was his voice. I sat up from that healing session and the lady was like, what happened? What did I do? And I said, I heard my son speak and I was just wailing. And, you know, that was God's grace. He allowed that to happen for me. So that was a beautiful thing mm-hmm. for for God to give me that gift. And I'll never forget it. And I write about it and document it. I, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I completely believe that his, his guidance, I, I kind of look at it from two, you know, we have a choice. We can either accept God's role in our lives, or we don't have to. It doesn't mean that that road without him is 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 going to be more difficult. From a um, there's going to be plenty of chuck holes and 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 defects and things in that road as the one that that he's with us on. It's just it, it's a little bit easier to travel the one when he's part of our lives because we know that it's it's we know that there is something greater that we're that we're striving to achieve. Whereas on the other side, you're you know you, you just kind of go through the motions. And so uh-huh. by allowing his grace to come into your life, into our, you know, into, into our lives, it, it allows us to get, past, it, it gives us the strength to deal with the tragedies uh, that life presents. And, you know, losing a son at 18 is a tragedy. But that was yes. the mustard seed that you planted. And it, it, it became that tree that has now bloomed into the thousands that you've helped is developed a ministry in his name um, that that has that has brought God's grace to God to 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 thousands, as you said, um, and and like I say, and, and I always the mustard seed is probably one of my most favorite parables. How it it from the mustard seed something amazing can grow, and exactly you know, when you when you think of eight 
the, the 8 billion people on the world and all the things that are happening and everything that's going on and that just all everything and and one young man in southern cali in a, in a in a place in southern california um sparked this amazing thing this ministry this this yes this, it it keeps i have so I, I do i have to keep pinching myself i was telling that to my husband this morning I mean, we even had CBS, our local channel, to come and interview us last week. It's going to be on tomorrow on the four, wow. six, and eight o'clock uh, segments uh, on feel-good stories of. And yeah. I'm like, I keep pinching myself. God, Lord, you just continue to amaze me. And taking this story and Mitchell's life and our situation out into the world, and. And since the book has been released, A New Creation, Finding Meaning in the Midst of Tragedy, it just came out and it's only been out four months now, so I've been on this book tour. But it's a beautiful thing to see how it's touching people's lives as I speak to people. So, well, your audience, when I tell them, you know, not everyone's going to run and start a foundation. I mean, that's that's unheard of. I mean, this of is not, we're like, yeah, I usually tell people when you are ready to do something to honor your loved one. I, I say start simply with a few exercises, like write a letter to the person who died to say everything you wish you could have said to them. Sit down and do that. Sometimes I say start keeping a journal. Just write. Sometimes I tell people make a scrapbook. Start pulling out pictures and putting it together of the lovely memories you had with your loved one. Some people go into paint. I said, paint, if that's your thing, paint. If if your loved one had a cause that they love, get involved with the cause or the activity that the person loved. Uh, if you love to take walks or whatnot, um, get a park bench and see if you can get it approved from your city council just to put a bench there. Do something in memory of your loved one as a start and uh, to honor them. And then I usually say, the people get out of yourself and find someone you can help then it takes the focus off of your pain and what you're going through and like you said find your local church or find somewhere who needs someone else needs you to help them and then it starts to get you out of your you and into helping others and that'll start your healing process so those are some of my tips that I tell people well, and then I, mean, I, I, I and, and what we've experienced and what I've experienced and especially talking to parents and it's, it's that the, the, the journey, the grief journey is, is, is filled with ups and downs and, 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 you know, there are pits that you fall into and you have to climb out of. And um, you really, um, as, as you've expressed it, you know, to find an outlet for some of that so that you can find a way to honor your loved one. And, mm -hmm. and I think uh, that is, your grief doesn't end. And I think, I, I think people for some, some people tell you that, you know, they'll, they'll use the words you need to move on. Well, you know, how explain that one to me, there's a hole in my life that will never be filled. How do I move on from that? And, and so then, then the next issue, the next thing is you're right. You're absolutely right. Find something, an outlet because you wake up every morning and the grief can either control your life or can help you in a positive way to help someone else in their grieving process. And mm -hmm. I think, I think you found that, that balance between allowing grief to control you or you controlling it and giving 
it almost is a giving you a strength, if you will. And I, it, it's kind of a yeah. tough thing. You know, how does grief give me strength? But it, it really, for you, I, 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 I see that, that it's given you a special strength and, and it's, it's him, it's, it's Mitchell's life that brought you to that point and loving him and honoring him and then grieving his loss has given you that ability to be what you are right now and the book that you wrote and the ministry that you've created. So I, I think that's amazing that you, that you, what you've done with it. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that strength and that only, that's a God given strength because you, after we came out of our healing session, uh, really was the next day. It was such a transformational process for my husband and I, it was almost as like, you know, you know, Daniel being put through the, we were put literally through the refiner's fire and brought out the other end. And I looked at my husband, I said, the next day, I said, I don't want to do anything else on this planet unless it has eternal significance. That's how strong I was. And I said, the, the enemy messed with the wrong mama and papa bear. <laughs> and I was pissed. I mean, literally, that's what I just said to him with my finger like this, you know. And I was not going to, I mean, the enemy, is, all right, he prowls this earth who he can you kill, destroy, and steal. And he messed with the wrong mama and papa bear. And we just got that fire. I don't know where it came from. And I only can explain it came from God's spirit within our spirit. And he knew how obedient Brad and I are. We're just faithful servants to listen to him. You know, we could have quite frankly ignored it, right? Yeah, of course. And gone about our way in our life. But it, there was such, I don't know how to explain it, but it was, it could only have come from God. Yeah. That fire and you that change. Honestly, Beth, an explanation isn't necessary because I think we feel it. Every, you know, when, when you're talking to people who feel it and understand it and know it and have experienced it, it's all, you can say, all you need to say is it was God's grace. And it, 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 it almost is, an, a, it, it explains itself. Yes, it does. I And so here we are. We never looked back. We gave up our previous lives. I was in a totally different industry of work, and so was my husband, and we gave it all up. We got on our hands and knees and said, God, you're the CEO of this foundation. You know who we're supposed to help, and we never looked back, and here we are. Now, Beth, I mean, you no. mentioned your book, A New Creation, Finding Meaning in the Midst of Tragedy. Where can our viewers find that if they would like to read and learn more about your story? Oh, absolutely. Well, you can get it anywhere now, uh, wherever books are sold or online. Uh, or you can go, if you want a personal signed autographed copy, you can go to anewcreation.org, my website, and I'll personally sign one and put an inspirational message in there for you. But uh, yeah, that's where it's anewcreation.org or online. Most people get it where Amazon or, or Barnes and Noble or wherever books are sold. Just ask for a new creation um, by the author Beth Thorpe. And it is an inspirational read. It's a true story. And it's there's photographs after each chapter. So people, it's an, people like, it's I like a little, little movie script. And so our, our end game is to take this right now funding for the movie. I have a film producer looking at the book. He's interested in it. Wow. This would be a beautiful story to take into the world um, beyond the book. And that's our end game. God hears me loud and clear. He knows it'll happen somehow, someday. I don't know when, but he's taken us this far. And um, his story, because we wrote the story as a witness for Christ living through us. So really, he's God's the protagonist in this story. And um he just used us and we're vessels for his work. So that's the story and the message that needs to be out to the world. 
before we uh, before we wrap this up, I would really like how's your how's your how's Matthew? Matthew right? uh, yes, my beautiful son Matthew. He's coming home for Thanksgiving. He, I was telling them earlier, he is a photojournalist for ABC News in Phoenix. So he oh, was right. always our documentarian um, before he went off to college. He started this in high school and. He filmed all our families and whatnot, and he just got the bug of being uh, a photojournalist and telling stories. And so he is there now and uh, moving forward. But yes, there is a day that he doesn't think of his brother. And I always tell him, tell him to come. I said, Matthew, talk to your brother. He's there. Bring him along with you on your everything that you do. Say, come on, bro. I need you. He got to film the Cardinal game. Some sports, which was great. I said, which is, he loves that. So he got to film his first pro football game last week. I said, just tell Mitch, come, bring me here. And and so he had to ask him permission, though, before I wrote the book, which I said, son, you know, people have been telling us to write our story for many years. And I want your permission. Is it okay if we tell our story? Because it's going to go out into the world. And uh, he said, yeah, it's okay, mom. So I was just out there in Phoenix doing a, a book signing with eight other different authors at Barnes & Noble about a month ago. And it was really beautiful to be able to go and do that and be with my son and do a book signing there. And that was lovely. So it's, I think for him, though, it's hard for him to probably read it. He's starting to read it because he lived it. And, yeah. um, and I often tell him, I said, you know, do you, do you need help? I mean, there's days... Till this day, he'll call me and I could tell something's wrong and I'll say, what's going on? He says, I'm thinking of Mitchell. I said, it's okay. I said, it's all right. You're carrying him. He's right there with you. You must be feeling him because he's there with you. So, yeah. And I tell people, you will have those ups and downs. And here we are, you know, years later, there's not a day that goes by you won't think about your loved one. But take him with you. Talk to him. Uh, They're there. They hear you. And uh, carry them along with everything you do. Those are, it took me to that place of starting to think about all the loving memories. Then you can start to laugh about things. Oh, remember when we used to do that and we laugh and chuckle, but all the things you used to do, then those loving memories come back because no one can steal that from you, those memories. No, no one. So those are what. It, I'm sorry. It, it's funny that you bring up the the happy, me- the, the, the focusing on the uh, happy memories. I, um, one of the first experiences I had in dealing with a father who lost his son, and it was a tragic, tragic uh, situation. And he was the the father was so angry because he didn't see it coming. And I finally, after a, a very lengthy conversation, and you know, the staff here knows that if I end up talking to a family, that's it, it could go on for hours because we're just talking about we're trying, you know, trying to help them through something difficult. And, and and finally, and I and I took the risk of him being upset with me. I, I asked him. I after talking about the anger and all that stuff, I, I asked him. I said, "Do you have any happy memories of your son?" And you could tell he was getting. That was a very irritating question for him to get. Mm-hmm. I said, "The next time you're at the cemetery, because you you know, I, I said to him when you when you visit your son, you're there. You're angry. You're upset. You you know, why didn't I see this coming and so forth and so on? But for just a moment." I want you to, in between the tears, I want you to smile and allow that one perfect moment of joy that you had with him 
to, to just allow yourself to be immersed with that happy memory. So yeah. that for that moment, you can experience the joy of him being in your life and not just focus on being so angry that he's gone. Um, yes. And he did it. And it, and it, it, it slowly changed how he went about grieving the loss of his son. Yes. It, you got to make me realize that, you know what we, we so often focus on the tragedy and the anger and the, the suffering and, you know, all the bad. Mm -hmm. And we forget that we had, you had 18 years of, yes, there were even in those, that five-year period when he was suffering, there were smiles, there were laugh, there was laughter. And, and even when in his worst moment of suffering, the way you've described Mitchell, I got to believe that there were times when he looked up at you and you both, both of you just started laughing because of something he did or something he said or some something, right? Yes, we always try to bring that joy in the house. But I do tell that to people. I say, you know, and I'm so glad you moved that man to that point. Could get stuck in that anger where they become bitterness yeah. before they can move into acceptance. That's the next phase. And I usually tell people, you know, your loved ones are not in your, think of them, they're not in your past, but they're in your future. You're, they're, yeah. They are in your near future. So we should always be living with one foot on earth and one foot in heaven because this is not our eternal home. Our eternal home will be, those that believe, will be in heaven with our Lord and with our loved ones. So that's why God is not, he's we're on the move of, he is on the move. He doesn't want to leave anyone behind, right? He's the good shepherd. He'll go after the lost, right? <laughs> the sheep. Yeah. And bring people closer to know who he is for that eternal significance that we will see them again in our future. And getting them to think that way and um, start to look, it's that, it's that process of moving into acceptance of finding those happy memories where you can start talking about them in loving ways and, oh, do you remember when we did this? Do you remember when we did that? Sometimes a scrapbook will help, you know, if people are more into that. You know, women might scrapbook with their husbands of all the memories they had or, you know, just bringing things of that joy back into their life and then to get them to move forward. But it is a process and um, even the whole family dynamics change a little bit. It's like you have to make the decision. Do we carry on the same traditions? For us, we had to shift, shake things up. Christmas, we had to think it's not going to be the same, Right. What are we going to do differently? Um, let's make a new tradition. You know, there's all those things you make a decision as a family what to do differently. And when you lose someone in the family, um, it does shake things up. And then you got to think, well, what can we do differently now? Um, do you hang on to the same traditions that you used to do during the holidays when they were with you? Or do you do something totally different? I just know during the holidays is tough because it's moves as we're getting into Thanksgiving, Christmas, yeah. all those holidays, people, all those emotions start These surfacing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I am going to use that future part. I never thought of that, but now I'm going to use it. So. <laughs> oh, good. But that <laughs> I, literally. I've never, I've never said it. You know, I've, I've, I've implied it. I said, we don't end. I, you know, we'll see each other again. But now I have a new way of approaching it. 
So I appreciate that. You've shared that with me. And now I'm, I'm co-opting it. And I'll, I'll give you credit. Don't worry. But <laughs> No, I love that. You know, please use it because that's what we had to learn through our healing. Because um, the, and this really, it came from our spiritual counsel. She says, when you are in the past and you're thinking too much in the past, that's where the enemy lives. The what ifs. I could have did this. I could have that. He's tormenting your mind to no end. It's living in regret. So true. And then she said to us, if you're focusing too much in the future, that's where anxiety lives. Uh, You know, what could have been of his life? You know, all those things. And people, you see other people's lives moving forward, right? And believe me, it's hard when all the graduation notices started coming in and you see everyone else moving forward. So that's where that anxiety lives. She says, stay in the present. This is all you have right here, right now, this moment. And then you keep your mind there centered and don't let the enemy take you too far in the past or too far in the future. No, this is what I have today. What am I going to do today, God? Show me what's, bring a surprise in my life. Bring someone into my life who can um, show me what to do. Show yourself real to me, God. You know, some people are in such the deepest pits of still in that stuck position. They need to move into the next phase. And um, and believe me, I've walked it. So your audience will know I've been there in complicated grief for two years. And it took me a while to move out to see where God really wants us to move. And he can't move if you stay stuck in unforgiveness. If you can't forgive, you're going to be stuck. You got to forgive. And God says, keep forgiving. What? 77 times and more 77 times. All those things. Got to keep forgiving for you to move out of that position to, so God can move through you to do what he wants to do through you. So as humans, we have a tendency to put the limits on ourselves. And we serve a big, big God. And he's got, you know, okay, let's go. Show me the way. It's been a roller coaster ride, but it's been very exciting, I have to say. Because look, I'm meeting with all three of you. How beautiful is that? Well, and, and here we are in Cleveland, and our and and you know, as our Catholic cemeteries, I think, you know, we um we do focus on the corporal work of mercy of burying the dead. But I I I always um I I truly believe that a big a, another part of that is always the spiritual work of mercy of caring for those who are in grief. And we, we, we never forget about that aspect of our ministry. And I think that's why, you know, having you here today to share your story with us and, and really to, to give some hope to those families that are suffering the loss of a child or, or anyone else that, 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 you know, has, that they love as much as they do and, and all of a sudden find themselves with an empty room, an empty chair, uh, an, an empty place at the table that you know, they, they can turn to these inspirational stories that are out there, yours being one of them, that you know, of people who have suffered immensely and have got, they've gone through that fire and they've come out the other side and have found a new, a, a, a new re, just a new hope, a, a, a new, you know, in, in using God's grace to, to bring you to that point is just, it, it really is, your story is amazing. And Mitchell's life, the impact that he has had and continues to have and will con- and in, in his future is not only that you will see each other again, but his future is here too, because of how his life has impacted so many. Yes, and again, I, t- I go back to the mustard seed. Oh, it just, yeah. 
from that little mustard seed of uh, that was planted when he said, "Mom," when you were in that in that room and he talked to you, he planted that seed, and look where look where it is. So, yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us, Beth. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is wonderful. Yeah. We and will then, keep Mitchell. You know, I'm Catholics. We like candles. Oh well, I grew up Catholic. You know. So, okay, well, we like, I am a so Catholic. You know, we like <laughs> we like candles. So we all the time, we have a beautiful chapel here dedicated to uh, you know here at Calvary, and um, the uh, Blessed Mother is here, and and we um, so th just know that when when we hang up, there will be a candle burning for your family, and one Aww. for Mitchell. So. Thank you so much. We have have candles lit everywhere. So, and that's the other thing they too. You know, we're off. I don't know if we stopped recording, but. I uh, like candles in the home when it comes to anniversaries and things like that. I always have a candle I light in the house and um, on certain times and keeping his light bright. And uh, that's what Brad and our job is to do is to be the light in the dark for those who can't see the light. And that's our job now to walk in that. It's not an easy place to walk, but people say, how can you go back into hospitals? And I said, well, we just, we pray before going and we ask the spirit to be with us before we walk into those hospital rooms and meeting these families and these children in desperate situations. And, and God, again, only gives you the strength to do that kind of work. Like you all do that work. So we have to stay yeah, plugged you're, you're into, plugged into him. Yes. Being the light. And you have, you are a bright light. You really are. I can, um, I am certainly glad I wasn't on the receiving end of mama bear coming in for protecting her son. <laughs> I've seen my I've seen my 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 wife in mama bear mode and I can't you know so yeah you kind of remind me of her a little bit in that regard so I would I was gonna I let you be like oh that's cool bear, so trust me I can only imagine. oh yeah well you know we do it firmly sternly but very lovingly oh of course <laughs> yeah, I always felt that love <laughs> When you're protecting oh, I know. your child, How funny man, is there's, that? there's nothing, there's nothing, uh, you know, a, a, a mama bear is, you know, don't mess with mama bear, man. Woo. Yeah. Especially when it comes to one of her cubs. Oh, man. yeah. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you so again, much. Beth, for joining us. And for our listeners, be sure to pick up a copy of A New Creation, Finding the Meaning in Midst of Tragedy. And we will see you next time. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Beth. Thank you. It was fun. Thank you, Paige and Andre, for that excellent conversation with Beth Thorpe. Um, any final thoughts, Paige, about the conversation that you had? Yes. So if you guys would like to learn more about the Mitchell Thorpe Foundation, you can visit www.mitchellthorpe.org. And if you're interested in purchasing your own copy of A New Creation, you can get a copy at any online or in-person bookstore. If you'd like a signed copy, you can go to her website, which is www.anewcreation.org. You should also keep an eye out on our social media because we are going to be giving away one signed copy of this book. So keep an eye out and hopefully you'll get it. Thanks again, Paige, for that uplifting conversation that you and Andre had. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. And we hope you'll join us next time when we have 
Fit from Faith joining us to talk about how to stay healthy while grieving. Until then, take care, everyone. Bye, guys.